You're listening to The Wind from Eden, Montana Weather Stories. Our series is brought to you by the Montana State University Library's Ivan Doig Archive, with support from Humanities Montana. I'm Jeff Rice. Throughout this series, we've been exploring some of the ways that weather is depicted in the writing of the late Montana author Ivan Doig. We've also been looking at how it influenced the ranching culture of Doig's era. Doig wrote a great deal about the Montana of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, a time before modern satellite forecasting, when a life lived outdoors meant a constant reckoning with natural forces. In other episodes, we'll cover topics such as extreme cold and isolating winters. But today, we look at what it means when the weather is actually pretty nice. This is a pre-pandemic travel story that takes place in the months of June and July. We take as our guide Doeg's second novel, English Creek. Spring and summer weather are everywhere in it. Scott Sowers reads from the audiobook version published by Recorded Books. That month of June swam into the two-medicine country. In my life, until then, I had never seen the side hills come so green. The coolies stay so spongy with runoff. The right amount of wet evidently could sweeten the universe. Already, my father, on his first high patrols, had encountered cow elk drifting up and across the Continental Divide to their calving grounds on the west side. They, and the grass, and the wild hay meadows, and the benchland alfalfa, all were a good three weeks ahead of season, which of course accounted for the fresh mood everywhere across the two. As is always said, spring rain in range country is as if halves of ten-dollar bills are being handed around, with the other halves promised at shipping time. That famous opening launches the book into the rhythms of a fateful summer in Depression-era Montana. English Creek introduces one of Doeg's best-known literary creations, the McCaskill family. Its main character, Jick McCaskill, is a 14-year-old boy growing up in small-town Montana, and English Creek is his coming-of-age story. Jick and the McCaskills are loosely based on Doeg's memories of his own family and the people he knew while growing up along Montana's Rocky Mountain front. Jick, set your mouth for it. Supper. And my mother... It is indelible in me that all this began there right at the very outset of June, because I was working over my saddle and lengthening the stirrups again to account for how much I was growing that year, for the ride up with my father on the counting trip the next morning. I can even safely say what the weather was, one of those brockled late afternoons under the Rockies when tag ends of storm cling in the mountains and sun is reaching through wherever it can between the cloud piles. Tell me why it is that details like that, saddle stirrups a notch longer or sunshine dabbed around on the foothills some certain way, seem to be the allowance of memory while the bigger points of life hang back. At least I have found it so, particularly now that I am at the time where I try to think what my life might have been like had I not been born in the two-medicine country and into the McCaskill family. As much as the book English Creek is a work of fiction, the places and people in it ring true. The creek itself winds through fictional composites of the small town where Doeg lived while growing up. Some of the geography is actual, he writes. Then he warns that anyone who attempts to sort the real from the imagined in this book is in for confusion. In a way, that was my job when I visited the town of Depoyer a few summers ago, sorting the real from the imagined. 
I visited several of the places that Doeg wrote about and tried to capture a feel for them. It was a warm summer afternoon when I stood by Tapoyer Creek. It felt like the kind of languorous summer day that Doeg might have remembered. The nearby park just across the far bank of the creek would have been a great place for a 4th of July picnic. One thing about the real creek, however, is very different from the one described in the novel and from the place experienced by Doeg himself. Over the past 20 or so years, some new residents have arrived. Right now you're surrounded with about eight acres of electric fence, seven wire, 7,000 volts. I test it or check to see if the lights are running every day. Allie Newkirk lives near the creek and told me to keep an eye out for bears. About three weeks ago, could I look out and just right over beyond this electric fence was a big grizzly bear. My husband took a picture, but all he got is his rear end going into the trees, so. Grizzly bears have been expanding their range and now regularly show up in and around the town and other areas along the mountains and prairies. I was told by local residents that the bears like to follow the creek bottoms and will often nap in the heavy brush by the water during hot afternoons. I was advised to carry bear spray, even when walking through the center of town. We have quite a population of grizzly bears in the area. Ron Jones is a rancher who lives in Depoyer, who grew up in this town with Ivan Doeg. Back in the 1950s, they used to carpool to high school together. This is kind of a, I guess it's, it's new to us, but my understanding is that uh, grizzly bears populated this area for centuries and they were kind of eradicated in the early 1900s, uh, late 1800s, and now they're, uh, they're protected species, and so they're starting to venture out further all the time. And So, yeah, you should be pretty careful around the, the creek and any, any area. It's covered, although I've seen grizzly bears clear out in the prairies uh, miles from the creek. And they are a, a prairie animal, is my understanding. When I was growing up, my brother and, and I and our friends would, any time we had a chance, we're down on the creek playing, skinny dipping, uh, fishing with a willow and a chunk of fishing line, you know, and a hook. And we never thought twice about it. Our parents never thought anything of it. But today, you wouldn't dare let kids do that. The outcome might not be good. As a matter of fact, I think it was this spring that uh, one came up from the creek right, at, right west of the house here, came across the highway and just to the north of our house uh, and then back down to the creek again. So uh, they're, they're in the area. From that perspective, the summers in fictional Doeg country were very different from the summers of today, but there are some things that haven't changed. Summers for Doeg and other ranchers have always been, and remain to this day, tied closely to hard work, especially the annual ritual of gathering the year's hay crop. Well, we're looking uh, west towards the mountain front. The Rocky Mountain front extends pretty much from, I guess, the Augusta area uh, north to the border 
After what Doeg once called the cool, wet mood of June, the temperature had crept up to the 90s, and Ron Jones was showing me his hayfield just west of Depuyer. The sky was a near cloudless blue, and the June rain had helped the hay crop come in early. The area just west of Depuyer is uh, kind of depicted quite often in, in uh, Doeg's writings. He uh, refers to the mountains and uh, kind of how abruptly they raise up out of the out of the prairie, and it—I uh, I don't know—they—they've been there uh, tens of thousands of million years, probably. But uh, just about every day that I look out there, there's something new and unique, and that kind of makes it home. Yeah. And if there is a sound of summer weather in Montana, as much as the birds or the wind through the cottonwoods. It's the thrum of machinery during haying season. Doeg even found a way to write rhapsodically about this in his book, This House of Sky. He reads from an audiobook version published by Highbridge Audio. That set of summer months stands out as a season in dream. Shuddered throb of the cat, curved tines of harrow dragging by the battalion behind me, marching chocolate lines of worked field, cold flame peaks spacing the western horizon. Everything of each day was rhythm, pulse, pattern, and within such propulsion, like a space traveler sledding through orbit, I could cast myself free into every luster of my life to come. Right now it's the uh, first part of July, typical uh, haying season here, and uh, this old baler uh, is more uh, what fits with the uh, Doig time frame in his in his books. You know, uh, small square bales is yeah. what they're usually referred to as. Give her a heck. Oh, we'll be making hay shortly here. Making hay is something that the residents of central Montana know a lot about. But not everything during the season is about work. Sometimes you've got to let off a little steam, and the weather plays a big part in that too. It was fitting that the next day, along with what seemed like half the people in the county, I found myself at the nearby Shoto Rodeo. Visiting the rodeo was once again like stepping into one of Doeg's books. The residents drove beefy pickup trucks instead of Model Ts, but there was a sense of celebration that would be recognized in any era. The day before, I had asked Ron Jones about this. And, and the haying season is, is a lot of work. I mean, it's a big, big chunk of time, but it's also sort of a celebration, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, uh, if we know that uh, we've got a nice hay crop, we've had the moisture, and we've got a good hay crop, uh, uh, we feel comfortable, you know, about going into the winter months when we're going to have to feed and take care of the livestock, and we know that we're going to be able to, uh, you know, take care of animals. Whether the excitement of a rodeo stems from relief of work well done, or just the happiness and ease of summer didn't really matter. The hay was in the barn, 
and there was no stopping one of the great cultural traditions of July. It is rodeo time in Shoto, Montana. <laughs> You've been listening to The Wind from Eden, Montana Weather Stories. The series was produced for the Montana State University Ivandoig Archive, with funding support from Humanities Montana. Additional support comes from Montana State University's Acoustic Atlas and the Willow Springs Foundation. Funding was also provided by the Montana History Foundation. Audio excerpts from Ivan Doeg's novel English Creek were provided courtesy of Recorded Books, Inc. with production copyright 2010. The excerpt from This House of Sky was courtesy of Highbridge Audio, which is a division of Recorded Books. Original music for our series was produced by Flynn Cohen. You can find more music by Flynn at flynncohen.net. If you want to hear more interviews from our series, visit acousticatlas.org. For the Montana State University Library, I'm Jeff Rice.